double. I would hurt myself because the roof was never scalable. But this year will be different. Yeah, I know what makes us hateable. But we just bought two dozen inflatables. Look at me. I like Christmas. It is unmistakable. Because our yard is littered with these giant inflatables. I would get an A if inflatables were clatable. Santa on the toilet. That is funny and relatable. Yeah, I'm that neighbor and I probably should mention that I really, 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 really like attention. And I'm getting it because everybody's stopping in my yard saying Jiminy Christmas at the big St. Bernard. Inflatable. Yeah, this one was costly. Inflatable. Yeah, this one is frosty. Inflatable. This one is from Elfsie. Inflatable. Yeah, and this one is Ralphie. What the heck are those? That's cheating. I spent three days building this giant wreath. Oh my gosh. That's a nice wreath. You say it's biodegradable? Good for you, buddy. Have you seen our inflatables? You could throw a rock at them, but they are unbreakable. They won't blow away because the stakes make them unshakable. And this one is a dinosaur. Origin is traceable. Back to the Jurassic era. It is irreplaceable. It's holding the gingerbread man. That's incredible. Gingerbread man are both adorable and edible. Best part of the day when I unplug them late at night see the next morning our yard looks like a crime scene like all of Christmas just melted to the ground but I plug them back in and you hear that sound you can clap for that that's awesome I am so glad I'm not the only one that thought that was hilarious because I thought that my wife is like are you really gonna roll with that it's like a serious service and a topic and I'm like of course it goes on for like 17 dozen more minutes as well. So you can go Google it. It's called Inflatable Anthem by the Holderness family. And it is hysterical. And it is a great reminder that some people love to go all out for the holidays, right? I also, just side note, I love that we live in a world where you can make money doing, making videos like that, right? Like that's the beauty of YouTube. Uh, it's fantastic. It's hilarious, right? I don't think they understand what it's like to live in Iowa where all of a sudden, you know, you just out of nowhere get 70 mile an hour winds. I love when they say they won't blow away and it's like, yeah, yeah, right. Not in our state. So, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Whether you're watching online, uh, whether you're here in the room with me today, it is an honor and it is a privilege to celebrate uh, this Christmas. And you might be thinking to yourself, okay, Christmas was yesterday, right? Are we still going to say Merry Christmas? Are you still going to wear the red pants and the cool socks and all that stuff? And it's like, I can only wear these a couple days a year, so I'm going to get the mileage out of them. Uh, but we are, uh, Christmas, actually in the church calendar, is a 12-day celebration. And that is a fitting response because what we're going to be talking about today is the good news, right? Some people go all out to celebrate. And, and you might be asking, okay, well, what is the good news? Of course, right? We know that it's the baby Jesus was born and uh, God has come through and he's faithful and all those things. But I want to put it a different way for us here uh, this morning. I want you to celebrate the fact that the wait is over. The wait is over. And we, we've been waiting for a whole bunch of things. Those of you probably on the younger side that can hear my voice right now, right? You have been waiting for presents and hallelujah, right? The wait is over. This is my son, Callan, uh, who wanted a whole bunch of things uh, for Christmas. He had an extensive list, of course, well-prepared, well in advance. But one of the things that we got him was a Vikings jersey just to make Pastor Jeremy happy and make Pastor Mike blush, right? 
Uh, we, no, we did not do that. But he loves Justin Jefferson, a wide receiver for the Vikings. I married a Minnesotan, so that's, that's kind of it. We, we have a whole bunch of teams that we love. He's a hardcore Rams fan, actually, because we lived in L.A. for a while uh, as well when he was just a couple years old. So uh, he was so excited. And I love, as a dad, right, giving gifts. And I just love messing with my kids, right? I love to take their hope of getting what's on their Christmas list. I love to take that hope. And I just love to destroy it. I love to bash it against the rocks, right? And just so they're like, oh man, this is, one of them actually said to me, I think this is going to be the worst Christmas ever. I'm like, yes, I've got you right where I want you, right? Because when the good news comes, when the wait is over, we have nothing to do but to celebrate, right? I got the O face like, oh, they got me what I wanted. I got to tell you, it's not just the kids that have been experiencing that either. In fact, uh, it's a whole bunch of us, uh, myself included, who had to wait two years. Maybe you took the time to light some candles and sing Silent Night uh, at your home last Christmas. I know a lot of us were still dethawing from Journey to the Light. We had a little PTSD from that. And so we watched it online and just kind of tried to get warm. It had been two years since we got to hold one of these, we got to sing this song. My family and I, we got to come to Christmas Eve, like the actual Christmas Eve, not Eve Eve or Eve 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 or whatever it is, like the earlier days. We got to volunteer shepherds. And you guys, I didn't know how much I needed it. I did not know. And Advent, you know, 2021 for me has been a year that's, uh, it's hard for me to remember, honestly, where we were a year ago. Right? It's hard to believe that we weren't doing this one year ago. The world feels like that just feels like forever ago. We've been through a lot. We've gotten disconnected from some of it. And all of it just came and kind of just, just overwhelmed me as I sat back here with my wife and my kids and some sheep I don't know the name of. And we got to watch the joy. We got to be a part of the moment. And it was fantastic. If you weren't able to join us for Christmas Eve services, I hope and I pray that you got to experience a little bit of the light of God's love. And I pray that you continue to experience that today. Because as much as we want these moments to last, they have an end. They have an end. In fact, that you and I, right, we live in this world where uh, we have to deal with it. And uh, the waiting, right, we have to deal with the challenges. And I, I found that Christmas Eve, whether it was the unwrapping of the presents on Christmas Day or going to the Christmas Eve services, they came to, to my family at least at just about the right time. And that's because waiting is hard. Can I get an Amen. Waiting is hard, especially my daughter last night. We had steak and Caesar salad. That's one of our favorite meals. We had that for Christmas uh, dinner. And it was after I preached a five o'clock service last night. And my, my kids watched uh, it online last night because uh, they were not in any position. They'd had too much sugar, I think, to come and then take in a worship service. Who knows? All are welcome, including hyper kids that belong to me. But they watched it. And I knew my daughter had watched the sermon because as she was waiting for me to finish cooking the steaks, well, no, actually, she was sitting at the table waiting us to get everything else served. And she didn't bother to think maybe she could get up and help fill glasses with water or whatever and get the table set and everything. But she just kept saying, waiting is hard, right? Waiting is so hard. And it is. It is. Especially when it's something that you deeply long for. Especially when it's something that you need. Not just on like a convenience level, but on a soul level. On a heart level, right? We live in an Amazon world where, I mean, just think about this for a second. Back in the day, two-day shipping was a miracle, right? You're like, 
oh, this is amazing. Especially if you're tuned in uh, online and live in a larger city, like where the norm is kind of the one day shipping. My in-laws experience this in Phoenix. Like stuff just, you just click the button and it just shows up, right? And we, we have that too, but it's like, like we, are, we are so used these days to getting what we want instantly. Waiting is harder than ever which I think explains part of the season that we're still in, right? We are still waiting. And so as much as we love these moments, get to light the candle, get to experience the light of God's love, we still find ourselves in the midst of the waiting. And I I don't know what it is for you, whether it's the COVID stuff, whether it's the fact that this world cannot seem to get along, we can't even seem to be friends, right? Uh, we are still waiting for people to be healed. We're still waiting for brokenness to go away. There's so many different things. And again, it's, it's really challenging, I think, in, in our day and age because uh, the more we get divided as we uh, invest in digital spaces and are scattered and yet we're kind of connected but also sort of not Right? We come to life with different lenses and we have different experiences. Right, We, we have had profoundly different years. Even between services, just talking to some people out here having breakfast in the bridge, right? For some of them, 2021 was the best year ever. And for others, man, they are still waiting. They are still waiting for some things to change. Google, uh, every year, takes the top searches uh, and, and puts together kind of a video that summarizes the themes of the year. And my wife stumbled onto it and she's like, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta think about using this. Because here's the thing, like what, what matters to us, honestly, it shows up in some different places. It shows up in the way we spend our time. It shows up in the way that we spend our money. But it also shows up in the way and the questions we ask and the things we look to help for. And one of the ways that we seek help these days is by typing things into a little box. You put that information together, it makes for a really profound and interesting experience. I want to show you Google's video here. And as, as you do, think about this. What is it that you're still waiting for? Some of us, again, best year ever. Some of us, we can't wait for it to be over. What about you? What are you waiting for? Let's take a look. This year has been extremely challenging for me. I am broken. And I am healing. I'm here at the memorial wall. I wanted to do something to remember my mom. For some reason, I'm having anxiety. Obviously, it's normal with everything that's going on right now. I think I'm going to take a break for a while. You can get through it. And if you can get through it, there's a greater reward on the other side. Just like anybody else, you know, I'm just trying to do my little part to try and save my community. I'm just really excited we're back open. And I am smiling under my mask. Incredible scenes on the day the fans came back. Welcome back to the theater. You guys, it's been so long. You're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're just like, there I am. Be your best. Never, ever, ever stop dreaming. I don't care what they tell you. We the jury in the above entitled matter as to count three, Find the defendant guilty. I am proud to be Asian. We are not drowning. We are fighting. We cannot keep quiet. 
right about climate injustice. No action is too small. We just have to band together as a community and get people's lives back. Even as we grieved, we grew, that even as we hurt, we hoped that even as we tired, we tried that we'll forever be tied together, victorious. So there it is, a little bit of humanity right in front of us. We're all waiting for something, and just to see people coming back together and to see what it means. So many different things. One of the things that popped into my head this week, in fact, I grabbed this photo a few weeks ago uh, in the midst of Advent, because Advent, right, one of these seasons, again, all about waiting, about living in this tension between knowing that the light of God's love has come to us and it's available to us, you know, we still wake up and we look in this world, right? And yes, ask these questions. God, how much longer are you going to be experiencing this? And again, not everybody's living this way, but some of us, right, in moments, whatever the stress is, whatever the exhaustion, right, it's been over 650 days since we were forced into this, this version of exile known as the new normal, whatever it looks like, right? Some of us feel a lot like this candle where you don't know how much more you have. And so you have to take the moments. You have to... Figure out how you're going to connect with God, how you're going to find the joy that you need, how you're going to continue to find good news in the midst of all of it. You and I, we are people, and I, I, I'm guessing you understand this this morning, right? Amidst all the highs and the experiences, the peaks that we get to have in life, we also experience the valleries, and so we continue to be people who need some good news. And so the question that I have for you today, what are you waiting for? Right? When you watch that video, when you think about what's going on in your life, when you think about where you need good news to land, land in front of you, what is it? One of the questions I love to ask people, right, just to get a sense of where they're at, what's going on in their lives, if God could decidedly answer one prayer for you today, right? if, he said, if he showed up, sat next to you in the seat you're sitting in, or whether you're watching online on the couch or at your computer, whatever it is, if he just buddied up next to you today, he said, what can I do for you? What's the answer? I'm sure we have a whole host of things. I know some people I talked to this week that would just love for their family to move through some things. Right? They would love for the holidays not to be painful reminders, but they would love to be able to get to this point where they can be healed and they can move forward in joyous celebration. I know people that want to be together. I know people who want to experience medical breakthroughs where they need literally a miracle to come through. And I know others of us are just kind of bored and we're just asking big purpose questions. And so maybe for you, it's like, maybe it's your job, right? Maybe it's what it is, so you just, this, this nagging sense of there has to be more to life than this. What, what is it that you're waiting for? Because all of us are waiting for something, for something. All of us are in need of some form of good news. And the reason why we're gathered here today, the reason why I'm glad you took the time to tune in, uh, by the, you know, I'm glad the reason that you took uh, the time to make yourself your way to church, right? When, when it wouldn't be necessary, it feels like. Because you just went to church, maybe. Or you've done the Christmas thing. You've heard the stories over and over again. The reason why I'm glad you're here today and took the time to tune in is because good news is here. And we're going to look at that good news today. I want to pick that new good news apart, and I want to look at it in a little bit different angle. You know, Christmas Eve services, we spend a lot of time looking at Luke chapter 2, right? One of the quintessential, the classic, right? Even Charlie Brown knows Luke chapter 2. 
because it's a great story. We're going to get to that same good news today, but we're going to look at it from a little bit different angle. We're going to look at it from the visitors from the east, right? From the three wise men. And now most of you have probably heard this story, right? Maybe you have a nativity set at home uh, that has the three wise men kind of cozying up to the baby Jesus right around when he's in the manger and all those different things. I know I have that in, in my house. And one of the things that I realized, I don't think that's an accurate picture, In fact, there's a lot of details about this story that culture, whether it's been through Christmas carols or people telling stories or just people making assumptions and wild guesses about the story, there's a lot of things that don't make sense or are different than perhaps we uh, understand. I I preached on this text five years ago. And I got to tell you today is I've actually done more and more research and and kind of uncovered like what this story is really about. It's about good news, but, but the way that it gets to good news I realized I, I think I need to look at this with a fresh set of eyes. And I guess Gary Larson, right, who has some cartoon thing called The Far Side. I'm just kidding. I've heard of it. I'm sure you guys have as well, right? Even Gary Larson decided just to throw another log on the fire, just making up aspects of this story, right? He published this cartoon a while back, and it says, Unbeknownst to most theologians, there was a fourth wise man. Did you know? Did you know there was a fourth wise man? Uh, but he was turned away for bringing a fruitcake. Sorry. Not welcome, right? And it's obviously a silly joke, but the reality is we need to stop. And we need to take a look at this story because there is good news in the midst of it. And I'm sure you probably can get some of it. But when we take the time to peel back the layers, right, to get rid of the traditions that have just been globbed onto it and go back to the text, what you're going to see, there's a deeper truth here. And there's some really good news that's in the midst of it. And so I'm going to take you on a little, little ride through uh, Matthew chapter 2, beginning in the first verse. And this is what it says. Jesus is born in Bethlehem in Judea, right? Bethlehem, most of us probably know that. We know Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Uh, That's a really important fact in this story during the reign of King Herod. And Herod is really important to understand uh, because he's the ruler of the time. He's been put there by the Romans. He's the guy that's in charge, just kind of managing the day today, if you will. And here's what you need to know about Herod. You do not want to invite this guy over for Christmas dinner, okay? This guy should not be on your Christmas list. He is ruthless, willing to execute his own family members to stay in power. That is the kind of guy that King Herod is. In fact, later on the story, a little bit later in in, uh, the book of Matthew, he's going to wipe out every two-year-old in his nation because he wants to protect his power. He's going to react to the the good news different than some of the other characters in our story. And so we need to understand this is the context that Jesus was born into. He's in Bethlehem under the reign of King Herod. And of course, as we know the story about that time, some wise men, and I've highlighted that because the Greek word here is magi, which actually uh, is better understood as an astrologer, right? Now, I don't know if you have ever found yourself, we don't have a ton of light pollution, at least here in Des Moines, Iowa, we got some, right? But I don't know if you've ever found yourself uh, captivated by the stars, but one of the things that, that my wife and I love to do, we love to take our kids, we love to go to the wilderness, Right, we love to get away because it's when you get out there in the middle of nowhere, right? And it's like you can still find places today that cell phone signal is not available. I just want you to know that because, in fact, every year I lead some men's trips out to the wilderness, right? It was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for us to grow in our faith. And when you get out there, man, the beauty, right? It's kind of like the Christmas lights out in our parking lot during Journey of the Light, but like on steroids, right? It takes your breath away. This is who the Magi were. They're the kind of people, we assume that they're men, but uh, who knows, right? We don't know how many of them actually there were. We just know there were three gifts, and so we make an assumption, three, three gifts. But the Magi consumed themselves with the stars, understanding the planets, 
understanding everything that's happening in the sky because they saw a relationship between what's happening in the night sky and what's happening underneath it, right? If God, or in their case, actually one of the gods is going to do something on this planet, then they're probably going to communicate it in the heavens in advance. That's who these magi are. They're not kings. They work for a king. They work for a king, most likely Persia, we believe, eight to 900 miles they've journeyed. And this is one of the things that blew my mind about the Magi and the nativity set that I have in my house, right? We're talking one to two years this journey took. They're going to get to see Jesus in a little bit. And by they do, I'm pretty sure Jesus is rolling around on two feet, right? Like Jesus is mobile and he's like, Mary and Joseph are having to childproof stuff in in the house that they live in. They live in a house. They're not even in a stable when they get there. But those details are not what the, where the good news is. They're not where the center of the story begins. No, it, it begins with these magi who see something going on in the heavens and it says that they arrived in Jerusalem. All right? This also escaped me the first time I preached on this text. You guys are much smarter than me, but I just want to remind you of this. Okay, I got a very profound piece of information really going to help you in this story. Okay, and I'm going to have you share it with each other. It goes something like this. Bethlehem is not Jerusalem. Okay, turn the person next to you. Just repeat that. I know, I know we're a little, you know, consumed with all the sugar we've had, but I need you to understand. Bethlehem is not Jerusalem. And that fact is important because... Here's what we understand actually happened, right? The Magi, they see what's happening. There's an omen. There's something happening in the sky. And they say, okay, so we see Jupiter up here, which is associated with royal events. Jupiter is royal. And for some reason, I'm, I'm not smart enough to totally understand why, but somehow they link Saturn with the Jewish tradition, with the Jewish people. And so they're saying royal Jewish. Okay, that must be Herod. We need to go. And because they think, okay, the newborn king of the Jews, obviously, right, is going to be born to the current king of the Jews. That's the way these things work. Parrot really loves his power. Well, then we, we need to go to Jerusalem. And so that's what they do. In my head growing up, this story was like, oh, they see a star. They're overcome with joy. And they just already, like, want to start hugging Jesus. That is not the power of this story. In fact, they end up Jerusalem and they end up with this, they show up and they have this question for Herod. And this is what it says, right? Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, which again, scholars believe is the aligning of these planets because God has the power to do whatever he wants. And he's going to use everything at his disposal, including, right? Moving planets or setting them on a trajectory. Think about this, centuries and millennia in advance, so that we can understand his good news, right? This is what God is up to. They've seen his star, they say, and we have come to worship him. And one of the ways you can translate worship him is to pay homage to, not just to like worship like on their knees and bow down. They're gonna do that later actually. No, right now, when you take all these pieces and put it together, right? You understand actually, this is a diplomatic mission. They're not here for Jesus at the beginning. They're not coming to worship him because they love him. They're coming to worship him because it's the way that their nation of Persia stays intact. It's the way that Rome doesn't get upset with them. 
and come and crush them as the Romans have been known to do. And so they put these stars and the, the prophecies, right? These, these, these magi understand the wisdom of the age. They embody the wisdom of the age. And so, of course, they know the Jewish scriptures as well as all the other uh, uh, good works uh, and scholarly works of their age. And they say, they read the part that says, a star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. And they think, okay, it's time for us to go. And they go and they ask this question. They say to Herod, where's the newborn king of the Jews? And Herod responds, well, this is awkward. I don't have a baby, right? In fact, the text goes on to tell us, right? King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and as was everybody in Jerusalem, right? It's, it's no surprise that everybody's uh, upset or, or disturbed by this, right? Because they're surprised because Herod doesn't have a newborn baby. And so Herod begins to hear this and he begins to to get curious, if not freak out a little bit. And so he calls a meeting of his leading priests and teaches the religious law. And he says, okay, well, let's go back to the scriptures. Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they bring him Micah, which says, a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the answer where he is going to be born. And because Herod is interested in holding on to his power, Right? Because in Herod's life, it's all about him. He calls for a private meeting with the wise men. And he goes on, right? Sends them on their way. And he says, and I, I want to read this to you here. When you find him, come back and tell me. Come on, guys. Come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. Right? Hashtag sarcasm. Right? Can you hear the plot? Can you see the plot that's unfolding here? Right? Herod's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do with this baby when I find him. And so this is one of the things I want us to make sure that we understand as we look at this text, right? Herod rejects the good news. Herod, when good news comes to him, when God orchestrates the ability for him to understand and be a part of what's going on, he says, no way, Jose. Herod's too good for good news. And here's a question I want to throw at you today. Are you? Are you too good for good news? And not just in the sense of the big good news, I just want to take a moment here and ask you today, in this past year, when God has brought help your way, right? Maybe it's a a prayer, maybe it's a song that lifted your spirits, maybe it's somebody who came and offered you some gentle, encouraging advice, right? Like my wife last night when I showed all 17 dozen minutes of that inflatable clip, and she's like, you know, honey, I'm not sure that everybody needs to understand that having an inflatable will make you more dateable, I'm not sure that needs to be a part of your sermon. And I said, I'm pretty sure it does. She said, I'm pretty sure I'm right. And, you know, because I married up, uh, she was right. And that's why you got one minute and 40 seconds of that clip today. And it was much more funny and enjoyable for everybody. Because I've had moments in my life where I was too good for good news. So I want you to think about that. God, I want you to understand this, that God is on the move. We say it every time we get together, we believe it's no accident you're here. And that's because God's at work in your life. He's offering you good news in a million different ways. Are you like me sometimes and you're too stressed to see it? If you're like me, you're too arrogant to accept it. Don't be a Herod. Don't reject the good news. And maybe it's the big good news for you today. Maybe you're wrestling with the whole Jesus thing. Did this story really happen? Does it really matter for me today? I would argue the answer is an overarching and a resounding yes. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that the wise men would continue, right? Their diplomatic mission is over. 
right? They went and they honored and they connected with the king of Israel, right? The king of the Jews, Herod himself. And, and so they could go back home and say, yep, we did the job. But there's something about what's going on here, right? They have a choice. They could go back home. They seek him anyway. And they continue on this journey. And what they do is they continue on, right? They entered the house. Again, this is not a stable that they're walking into. They're in Bethlehem, but, but they've, Mary and Joseph have been upgraded. The house, they saw this child with his mother. And they did what they should have done the first time, right, if he had been in Jerusalem. I, I mean, it's still a diplomatic mission, right? But this is a baby. This is a baby in some forgotten small town. They have no obligation to worship, but something compels them. And I, I got to believe it's after you walk 800 miles, right? I, I spent maybe one night in the wilderness looking at the stars and I am captivated, right? You want a humbling experience. Just go look at the night sky without any light pollution and you will understand how tiny and how precious you are. The fact that God would preserve you and uphold you in your life in the midst of this massive universe, that he has created. I got to believe something along those lines was in their minds and in their hearts as they made their way there. They bowed down and they worshiped him. And not only that, they opened their treasure chests. And these gifts that were supposed to be delivered to Jerusalem end up in this podunk town of Bethlehem. Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Gold representing the divine, frankincense, the royalty, myrrh. <clears throat> the fact that this authority of this baby. Right? Myrrh is a burial spice. That it's going to come not through the authority that normal kings are coronated with, but it's going to come through death. And so as you take in this moment, one of the things I want you to understand, right, is this is not a baby shower. Right? I haven't been to a lot of baby showers, but a couple. And I can tell you, this is not a baby shower. Nothing wrong with baby showers. This is not a baby shower. This is not a birthday party. Right? What we're looking at here, and I think these wise men get it because they understand the vastness of the universe and the ability that's given them. And, and God has led them on this journey. This is a coronation. Right? This is to crown the king of all kings. And you can tell that they get it by the gifts that they show up with and the fact that they, they are these diplomats from Persia who end up worshiping and honoring the king. And what you really get here in the midst of all of this is an unforgettable picture. I mean, we've got them right here on the Christmas tree, right? But this doesn't begin to convey what Matthew's trying to do. You see, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 1, he's got this genealogy, all these names he reads off. And I got to tell you, in Sunday school, oh, I hated when they asked me to read, like, the genealogies. Like, what is the point? Like, I know we can't pronounce any of these names. Like, why should I even try? So I studied it one day. And you realize in Matthew's gospel, the genealogy is there simply because you want to look at this list of names. And so there's going to be some names in there, especially if you were a first century reader, that you didn't think should be there. People that would have been considered on the outside of the faith. People like Rahab, right? A prostitute? Like, you're telling me that God's plan for redemption includes somebody with a prostitute in their family tree. Right? There are people there that shouldn't be there, and then there are people not there that you would think, well, if this is a royal birth, certainly they should be there. And what Matthew wants to do in his gospel in the second chapter now with this story of the Magi, right, he wants us to understand the same is true, that this, this good news is actually bigger than you or I might think. In fact, right, the Magi were some of the last people 
that, that anybody in the day would have ever thought would make their way to Jesus' side to honor him. So what's happening in the story is Matthew wants us to understand that Luke got it right, right? When he captured what the angel said to the shepherds, that this is exactly the good news that you and I need to hear today, that this is good news, right? That this brings great joy. And here's most important, I think, for us to remember today in this divided world that we live in where it seems impossible to build relationships or even have a conversation with people that think differently than us. It is for all people. This good news is the good news that's able to put this world back together the way that it should be. Yes, we're still waiting, but good news is here. And it's here because the king has come to rescue us, right? The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace that Isaiah talked about centuries before has come to pass. This is why we're here today. This is where we put our hope in the midst of the world that we live in because we know that his government and his peace... Peace available to us that transcends all understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have experienced it and it is incredible. And it's available to you today. That peace will never end. Will never end. What Matthew wants us to understand today is that the real king has arrived. The king has arrived. And what that means for us in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our frustrations, in the midst of the waiting when we feel like, I just want to jump to the end of the advent calendar. I just want to get to the good news. I don't want to go through I don't want to go through the cross to get to the empty tomb. Hope is available and it means that we're not alone. It may not be easy. But last time I checked, Jesus didn't say a whole lot about life being easy. He said something about life being abundant about being abundant and being able to find him in the midst of it. God wants you and I to know today that we're chosen. And I use that word intentionally. Because if you haven't seen the TV series or the app or the, it's not on Netflix, but it's online on the website, right? It's this, it's this video series, this, this portrayal of the Christmas story. And it's, it's not just the, the Christmas story, but really the whole Jesus story. It's called The Chosen. You got to see it. Because, you know, there, I, I, I preach every once in a while. And I'm always trying to kind of find cool video clips to actually do the story justice. And you know who honestly usually puts the best videos portraying Jesus out? It's the Mormons. And I think, gosh, like as Christians with the best message in the world, can't we do better than this? I feel like we're giving Jesus our best. If you haven't seen this series called The Chosen, you need to. If you came to Christmas Eve, you already have because Pastor Mike, showed some incredible clips pastor jeremy as well from this video series and they did a christmas special just a couple weeks ago and you could watch it you could pay and go to the theater and watch it or if you're like me and you forgot about it you know what thank god for youtube you can catch it on there it's an incredible series you can go home you can watch it if you haven't watched the whole thing it's available for free right there but it wasn't the actual portrayal of the story that got me as i watched the other day it was what one of the actors had to say afterwards. And of all the actors, it was the actor that played Judas, right? The one who would betray Jesus. The one that would unlock the events that would send him to the cross. It's the actor that played Judas. It probably does one of the best jobs I've ever seen articulating what this good news means for us. The king has come. We are not alone. We have something to celebrate today. And as you watch this, figure out what that looks like for you.
Let's take a look. Almost every name of God uses attributes that reinforce how lofty and exalted and separate he is. Elohim, everlasting God. Jehovah Mekodeshkem, Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Jairi, the Lord will provide. All true, comforting, and singular, emphasizing his untouchable, unattainable, unrivaled power. Someone so big and omnipotent that language can never fully capture his essence any more than a graven image could. But you know what? There's something better than words or statues or names. It's something the prophet Isaiah foretold. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. It's not about the name Emmanuel. It's about the manifestation of that name, the audacious, this really happened miracle of God taking on human skin, arriving down at our level, surrounded by straw, barn animals, manure, tears, a wooden feeding trough for a crib. Frightened parents way over their heads, total strangers barging in on the whole scene, every detail so deeply human and raw. And he was willing to go through it. Even the worst that would come 33 years later, all for one reason, to be with us. It almost sounds too good to be true. And that's because if there's one thing you could say God is too much of, goes a little overboard with, it's goodness and truth. What then shall we say? What of names of prophets, conquerors, secret pregnancies and surprise guests at a birth? For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard, that we're not alone anymore. Emmanuel, God with us. The messages we've received mean we are not hearers only, but doers, and messengers of word proclaiming the news to the four corners of the earth, inviting all to come and see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And it never can, and it never will. It's not that people ought to know, people could know, people should know, but people must know. The wait is over. We're the messengers now. He's right. He's right, and it's scary almost when you think about it, that God's plan for spreading the light of his love to the rest of this world isn't his and his alone. But for some reason, God felt like it was our job. It's almost like he gave us gifts and abilities, tools to carry forward his mission, to be the messengers, to shine our light and to let his light shine. It's almost like he's calling us to go and to tell it 
Well, if you're in Iowa, it's probably not on a mountain. Maybe it's on social media. Maybe it's in conversations with your neighbors. Maybe it's in the way that you treat the people that are the most difficult to love. But if you're tuning in online today and you are near mountains, maybe that's it. One way or another, we're called to go and to get this good news out. And I was reminded of that this week as well as I got to sit back here during Christmas Eve services and had the awesome experience to be a shepherd. It's not a huge job, right? I mean, you just stand back there and you got to hold on to the rope of the sheep. You got to get the sheep out there, which is a little bit of a challenge a few times, right? And then, of course, I had my four kids with me, so and they're all holding actual fire next to a really dry bale of hay. <laughs> and so you got to keep them from burning the place down because I don't want that on my conscience. You got to hold on to the candle and keep everything straight. And then, you know, there's one other job, and they didn't give it to me, and I think that's really wise. They gave it to my wife. You see, one of the other key parts of the service, right, to get this silent night moment where the whole place is lit up with the light of God's love, someone has to go to that candle, right? Someone has to go to that baby in that manger, and they need to light it, and they need to walk it over to here and to there and hand it to the ushers so we can begin to watch that light spread. I love it when it's all finished, but just as much, if not maybe just a little bit more so, I love it. I love watching it spread. I love watching my wife walk across the room because as she was holding her candle like this, right, it was darker in here, and you could see the joy on her face, the candle-lit joy on her face. And I love watching that. I watch... I love watching the light of God's love spread across this room. And as you watch it, you realize this, this is our part in the story. It's to take these moments. It's to soak up as best we can while we wait in this world that just seems to be going nowhere fast. To hold on, to fill up with the light of God's love so we can pour that out to this world around us. And I want you to know today it makes a difference. God sees what you have He sees what you're trying to do, and he'll meet you in the midst of it. This is good news that we celebrate today. And so as we wrap this up and we sing, literally sing, go tell it on the mountain, one of the things I want you to leave you with today is just this question, right? You know about the good news. I just just told you about it, and you've probably heard about it a thousand times in your lifetime. The question I want to leave you with today is what will you do with it? We got a brand new year in front of us. Next weekend, we start a new sermon series. We start a new journey with God. It's a new chapter. What will you do with this good news? Because as much as we love these moments, they come to an end. And now it's our turn to go and to tell it on the mountain. Amen? Amen. I want to invite you to stand as I pray and we're going to sing. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you. For these people, God, whether tuning in online or whether here in person, God, thank you for bringing us together to hear your good news. And God, thank you that this good news is alive and well. Lord, I pray you would fill us up today. Whatever it is that's come, whatever it is that we're waiting for, God, you would give us peace in the midst of it. And God, you would use us to spread the light of your love to this dying world. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's sing.